0: You're listening to Mile High Insiders with Nick Kendall and Luke Patterson. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Now, it's time to find out what's going on behind the walls of UC Health Training Center.
1: Uh, welcome to Mile High Insiders. I'm Thomas Hall and on my left or right, whatever it looks like on your screen is Lance Sanderson, not Luke Patterson. Uh, Luke is out tonight and Lance, thank you for jumping in and, uh, and, uh, co-hosting with me tonight. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh,
2: Thanks for having me. A busy week for me, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean
2: Am I am I jumping around hold on, hold on my my internet connection is a little wonky right this second. So give me just a second okay. here to, to buffer in. First things first, uh thanks for having me. I do appreciate uh you for having me on. Uh it's it's always fun to talk football with you and just to kind of create some new conversations here on the Mile High Huddle uh, podcast network. So thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's great. Thanks. Thanks a lot. So uh we are going to chat about this rumor from PFF, uh, their projected uh, possibility about Lloyd Cushionberry. And I mean, I'm going to just come out and say it right away, Lance. It's kind of a ridiculous thought to franchise tag a center, but we'll definitely get into it and and talk about why that is. And, uh, uh, you know, among other free agent rumors, free agent happening. So uh, welcome in everybody. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you jumping in. I'm going to uh, say hi to some of the folks in the tra- chat. David Youngkin's coming in bright and early. Thank you very much for being here, uh, supporting us in the evening. Thomas, Lance, and Dylan. I don't know if placing a franchise, ta- franchise tag on Cushenberry is worth it or not. Absolutely, we're going to get into that. And our very own Dylan Von Arx, uh coming in to remind everybody to make sure you hit that like button on the way in and share on all platforms and subscribe. It's good advice. Thank you for being here and helping us out with that. Uh, appreciate it. And we're going to grab a string guy. He was in here early as well saying, hi guys got to be kidding tagging Cush. Why trade back and draft 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 tagging Cush is the dumbest thing I can imagine. You could even trade Judy for a center in free agency. Well, string guy, I mean, we we're kind of with you on, on that. At least I am. I think, yeah, paying a 20, almost a $22 million, uh, you know, $22 million for a center when the best centers in the game are making about 14 a year seems quite ridiculous. And the problem with it is, Lance, and and you know this, it's not, they don't just say, okay, franchise tag for center position. They say offensive line. So they're they're bringing in offensive tackles who get paid a lot more. So that, uh, you know, the calculation for uh, the center is inflated uh, compared to maybe some of the other positions.
2: Yeah, it's, that's that's the big thing here is the franchise tag with within the NFL and the collective uh, the collective bargaining agreement. You got to give uh, the players a lot of credit here for not really differentiating between specific positions. I mean, linebacker is another one that is, that is a big thing. You have outside linebackers who happen to be edge rushers and inside linebackers who don't rush the passer for the most part. They're inside linebackers, guys like Fred Warner. They're all combined underneath the linebacker scope. The offensive line is the same thing. You would not pay your right tackle and your left tackle the same. I mean, there, there are some players that are qual that, that, that qualify for that particular kind of uh, that kind of uh, that kind of payment. Excuse me, uh, but your guards are going to be played differently, and your centers are definitely going to be paid differently than anybody that's playing on the outside. So the fact of the matter is this: that like I, I pulled up multiple different um, projections here uh, from CBS. This was an agent's take. I believe this one has offensive line at 19.9 million dollars over the cap.com has it over 21 million dollars uh and spec.com has it at 19.9 million dollars so you're going to go in and have a center being paid as much as the average of the top five offensive linemen period point blank end of story top five offensive linemen all five of those guys happen to be left tackles by the way uh and if i was lord cushionberry is an absolute mistake
1: yeah and if i was lord cushionberry if they did offer me that i would run to that table and sign that uh that on the dotted line immediately man that's uh that's the kind of thing that you would do if if they did offer that to you so i uh, you know especially mm-hmm. when you have all these other this all this other cap problems so to speak you're going to throw out a lot of money for mm-hmm. a center who i'm sorry i I picked him to be the surprise candidate to have a great year early on before the, you know, in the off season and everything, but he has had one good season. And I mean, it wasn't the best season in the league either. So you got to take those things into consideration. Why would you spend so much money when, when the team not only has sour cap issues, but also has to get younger at many other positions. So, you know, to me, it's like, okay, I, I like Cushenberry. I liked what he did this year but you let him test the market and you trust that you evaluated your center position in the draft with Alex Forsyth Forsyth and, uh, and maybe go with him or Wattenberg. There's other options. I just, it seems crazy to think that we got Michael Ronquillo coming in saying good evening, Thomas and Lance on mile high insiders, go Broncos. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the Facebook star support. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks Mike. So Lance, What are some of the issues besides Cushionberry? Obviously we're kind of, we kind of both agree with that. What are some of the issues you see uh, when it comes to replenishing uh, these free agents that are, uh, that may walk and also getting under the salary cap?
2: I I was, I was on a show last night here with, uh, with Albert Knoppers, our our good friend uh, over with um, the Denver Broncos roundup and Keith Brugman, you guys know who I'm talking about here and was talking, you know, If you look at this roster as it's currently constructed right now, and you think that there's a a way for this Broncos team to be actually competitive in 2024, you are probably partaking in some of the recreational activities going on in the great state of Colorado, because quite honestly, there's literally no chance Um, you have needs everywhere. Uh, probably on the offensive side of the football, the only position that you're comfortable with moving forward into 2024 is the running back position. And that features Javante Williams, who is still coming back from that torn ACL. You've got Samaj P. Ryan, who I thought should have been used a lot more uh, than he was, especially as a, like between the tackles runner. He was typically used later in games as a receiver. And then Jaleel McLaughlin, who we all love. I mean, obviously the jitterbug guy goes out there and just continues to make plays, but, you have holes at wide receiver you have to address. Jerry Judy's probably going to be traded. Cortland Sutton is a guy that you could potentially extend, but who knows? He's in the last year of his deal upside down on his contract. You could cut him or move on from him, trade him away. Does not matter. Uh, Tim Patrick, another guy. So now you're missing the top three receivers you had coming into the 2023 season. Um the offensive line: Garrett Bowles potentially a, a, a trade or a cut candidate as well. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, we just talked about him, unrestricted free agent. You've got to fill that center position. Defensively, there's interior defensive linemen. You've got to you've got to address that. DJ Jones, another potential uh, cut piece for this def- uh, for this defense. You need to add another edge rusher, off-ball linebacker. Josie Jewell is a free agent. The safety yep. position, you've already moved on from Kareem Jackson. P.J. Locke is a free agent this season, and Caden Stearns can't stay healthy. Cornerback, obviously we all know Damari Mathis and Fabian Moreau couldn't really cut it, especially down the stretch, specifically Damari Mathis, who was replaced by Moreau. There are so many holes that you have to fill that there's really no true answer on how to go about filling all of them. And it's impossible. It's a I don't want to say it's impossible to have a conversation because we can, but where do you start?
1: Yeah, I mean, and we're not, you're talking about uh, even potential trades, potential cuts of, uh, you know, players that aren't even unrestricted free agents. But if you look at the unrestricted free agents by themselves, there's like seven starters that are going to be leaving Mm -hmm. this team. Probably because they're not going to. The Broncos probably are going to look to get younger to replace them, so they don't have to take a bigger cap hit with their cap mess. And then, like you said, you've got all these other guys. I'm. I think defensive line is going to be decimated after this off season, Before the draft starts, I think that you're going to see uh, probably safety is going to be pretty thin. And then, like you said, the wide receiver core is another one that it looks. It looks like you got plenty of uh, players there now, but when it's the off season's over, you're not going to have plenty. In there, so there's three big ones, uh, that three big position groups that you have to address right away. That I, I just, mm-hmm. I, I think that the Broncos they need to get younger at certain positions. I keep saying that. I think that they need to look to the draft, but the problem is they don't have a bunch of draft picks either. So you know, it's, it look, it's a kind of a dire situation, no matter how you look at it. I'm going to grab David here. David's coming in with a super chat. Thank you so much, David. We really appreciate it. Saying good evening, Broncos country. Buckham times three, McCarthy. McCarthy, J.J. McCarthy guy. David's a J.J. McCarthy guy. Uh, How do you feel about J.J. McCarthy, uh, Lance?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Oh man, uh, conflicting conflicting analysis here. I I see the tools. I see the athleticism. He's got a great arm. There's some accuracy in there that he can work with. But at the same time, this kid is so young and he is so raw. Um, you you see the potential dripping off of this kid as he just walks around. But at the same time, one of the biggest issues I I, I spent about an hour and a half running through as much of the game tape as I possibly could every single throw for four different games. And one of the biggest things that I see with him that is going to be an issue at the NFL level is variation on his ball speed. He's a guy that is going to really just hammer the fastball. He wants the ball to be completed right now. As soon as it comes out of his hands, he wants it to be right there on his receiver, no matter what. And there are a lot of missed opportunities for extra yards after the catch. missed opportunities to throw receivers open as well. He does kind of try to, like, I'm going to fit this in here right now, and that's how it's just going to be. This play is going to end right here with the completion. But then you see the athleticism. You see him be able to extend plays and, and use his legs to to run downfield and create extra extra yards um, for the offense. There's a little, a little bit of hidden yardage in there as well. The big thing here is I don't know if I'm comfortable taking a player like that that is so raw at 12 – specifically, maybe not even in the first round. If you're going to take him, I mean, trade back, go and get a guy like that. If you can get to 25, somewhere around in there, the tail end of the first round, you're betting on a guy with a lot of intangibles, a lot of uh, a lot of tools that you can work with that um, you need that fifth-year option on just to get him in your locker room, but you can't put him out there day one. You need a, a veteran bridge quarterback to pair with him.
1: But Jim Harbaugh came out and said he's going to be the surprise number one overall pick.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and Jim Jim Harbaugh is talking out the the wrong yeah. side of uh, the wrong side of his body on that particular yeah. comment. There, he's talking about his guy. That's coach speak for you.
1: You bet. You bet. Yeah. I mean, I I, I agree with you on that. It's uh, he's just he's just saying it to say it. It's his his guy. But I doubt that's going to be the case. But you know, it is one of those things where you know the Broncos are going to have to take a swing at some point on a on a quarterback. Mm. If that, if that quarterback happens to be there at 12, do they do it or not? Regardless of whether it's a project or not a project, they're going to have to do it. I just don't think, I don't think there's anybody, uh, any quarterback there's, there's that they can get at this point uh, it, in the draft at 12 or a trading back that is going to move the needle that much right away. You know, they're most of them after the first couple probably aren't going to uh, be ready to come in uh, year one and really move that needle and and move the Broncos higher up in the standings than they were last year i just don't see it but you know there there are surprises that that you know come out so you you never know but it's few and far between yeah i'm 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 right there with you on that tom phil mclaughlin's coming in with a saying good evening lance and thomas i want to trade back at 12 and get more picks we need help everywhere in my opinion buckham go broncos mile high huddle for life Phil, thank you for the support thank coming still- in from Facebook. Really do appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I always talk about with the draft is, you know, the more picks you have, the more likely you're going to land some players. It's just that's the way it is. I mean, you, you can't hit on every player. You look at all the numbers from, you know, I have uh, I've looked at the last 12, 15 years of the draft. You know, you don't you don't hit on every player. It's a you know, once you get past the first round, which is about a 50 50 probability, really, you start going down rapidly. So you get lucky. And the way to get lucky is with more draft choices Mm -hmm. And the Broncos could trade back and get more draft choices. But at the same time, they need impact players. They have to get because right now there's very few real impact players on this team. So you get them in the first round, you get them as you know, early, typically you get them earlier in the first round rather than you do later. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of that conundrum. Are you going to get an impact player and, you know, keep trying to build your team? Or are you going to pull, uh, come back and just kind of fill holes? That's, that's the big question.
2: Yeah, and it's hard because uh, with the, with George Payton in tow, obviously the, the Broncos general manager here, he's really liked to trade up for the most part They're going through his time with the the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, look at when they, they drafted uh, Cordero Patterson in the first round. They had three first round picks that year. They traded up to go and get another one. Uh Typically, they're not looking to trade back to get more capital. Obviously, they traded up this last year uh, to go get a, a guy like Riley Moss. They 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 gave up a, a future third round pick to go and get a player like that. Uh, maybe Sean Payton had a little bit uh, a little bit of play in that particular decision, but typically George Payton likes to get. I will call it the barbell approach where he has the heavy first and second round picks and then the heavy sixth and seventh round picks but everything in the middle is really thin there's not a whole lot of picks there he wants the dart throws at the end of the at the end of the draft to help fill the uh, the depth of the class and then he wants the guys that he believes are the true starters that are capable of stepping in on day 1 and being high quality contributors at the beginning of the class the problem is right now the Broncos don't have even the mid round the small stuff in the mid rounds runs three, four, five, and six that are going to be those players that you can even move around to get those extra picks on the front or back end of the draft. So it, it the Broncos are in quite a conundrum right now. I think using 12 to trade back and get those extra picks for this team is going to be huge. But also at the same time, you have to bring into the conversation, is anybody willing to trade up right now? Because this, this class is from twelve to about eighteen to twenty, there's a lot of similarly uh, similarly rated players down in that particular area, and you need somebody to fall in love with a guy, and not just say, "Well, we'll just say at the back end of this and take a guy that we're comfortable with here at eighteen, for example, uh, and just let the draft fall to us." That's that's a at this point right now, it's it's hard to project anybody that's willing to move up unless somebody falls in love with a quarterback that I don't think is necessarily gonna be the guy at 12
1: yeah well speaking of falling in love with something maybe you should fall in love with little caesar's right little caesar's pizza the official sponsor of the nfl knows football's fans love a great game and a great deal so we're tossing out a challenge and calling it pick six for slices and sticks if there's a pick six during the super bowl during super bowl 58 fans who accepted the challenge on our app will get a free slices uh, free slices and sticks, period. Yeah, guys, we've partnered with NFL legend Derek Brooks of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers
2: because he knows all about the pick six, having returned one during Super Bowl 37. We all know that game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense was so spectacular, that game, uh, beating our hated rivals, the Oakland Raiders back in 2002. That play led to a 44-yard touchdown and a win for the Buccaneers. So guys, uh, go to Little Caesars app, accept, accept the challenge today and win some free
4: Yeah. And thank you, Michael, for coming in with
1: the pizza, pizza, you know, it's uh go give it a shot, to, uh, see what happens. You know, you never know, you could win some free stuff. So it's, it's great. But let's, yep. let's, let's talk about what you said earlier about, um, about trading back and not, ha- not having anyone to, tr- to really trade. So you know from i i keep going back and forth with this i want more draft picks because i think the broncos need them they need to fill out plenty of holes in the roster like we talked about earlier there's going to be a lot of holes in the roster but if somebody falls to you at 12 that you really really like it makes sense to grab them without without mm-hmm. you know without really much thinking about it right and not it doesn't have to be a quarterback although that would be great to find your franchise quarterback at 12 it, you know, it's possible. Uh, you don't have to trade up to go get it, but you know, the, the thing that is, is Sean Payton doesn't like to trade back. He seems to be more trade up type of person to go get that Mm -hmm. player. That's to me, like what I almost feel like George Payton and Sean Payton are like kind of opposing ideals, so to speak. Right. Sean Payton's more of a, you know, Wheeler dealer, like, like you said, likes to fill in some of the back end of that draft, but Sean Payton, if they like, if he likes someone, he wants to go up and get them. So I mean, there's a possibility of going up to get him as well, but he, the, the way to do that is losing a really, really spectacular player, really. The mm-hmm. the only tool that you really have is to go uh, trade Patrick Sertan, which I don't like doing, but that's really your biggest trade piece to really move far up and get somebody. There's only one player I would do it for.
2: And quite honestly, it takes the, the Chicago Bears being comfortable enough to fall back as far as they could. Um, to, to number 12 and trusting in Justin Fields to actually get it done. I would be more than willing to trade the number 12 overall pick, the 2025 first round pick that the Broncos currently have, Pat Sertan, and maybe even a third round pick, if you could t- figure out a way to do that, to move up to number one for Caleb Williams. That, that's you're that's Ca- the guy.
1: You're a Caleb that, that's, Williams fan.
2: That's, that's the guy. Okay. Look, look, look at the landscape of the AFC West really fast. Like, obviously, the Raiders are the Raiders, and they're improving. They they are a quality team. I believe in that coaching staff. Antonio Pierce is doing a great job of bringing in highly qualified – Luke Getzey. we can argue that back and forth all we want to, but the position coaches, I mean, bringing in – I believe Deuce Staley was one of the guys he brought in. Uh, Another former offensive lineman he brought in, a former defensive lineman he brought in. He's bringing in players that know how to play this game and know how to coach this game. That Raiders team is going to be dramatically improved again next season. The Chargers just hired Jim Harbaugh, and they brought in Greg Roman to be the the offensive coordinator, brought in uh, uh, Jesse Minter to be the defensive coordinator. And they have Justin Herbert. That's going to be a dramatically improved team year over year just based on the coaching alone. And then you still have the witch, the, the witch doctor down in Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Reid may not be here next year. But let's get into that later. But it's 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 Patrick freaking Mahomes, guys. He's been to six straight AFC Championship games and is about to win his third Super Bowl. I'm calling that now. The Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. This, You need to go and get a guy that can go and compete against and start to build this offense around a player that can compete with the rest of these teams in the AFC West. You've got Herbert and Mahomes that you have to deal with twice a a year every single year. Caleb Williams is that guy, in my opinion. If you want to mortgage everything you can to go and get him, by all means, do that. That is the thing that I want this team to do absolutely the most I'm also the most apprehensive about that because that potentially builds into a even further rebuild and placing a young quarterback in a terrible situation moving forward.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have some questions about Caleb Williams. I don't know if he's a surefire, uh, you know, candidate like uh, Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning or someone that you would trade everything for to go get, but they do need to compete because right now when you look at it on paper, the Broncos are the fourth team in the AFC West that they they're going to take a step back based on what I'm seeing unless they unless they hit on the draft unless they hit something you know more than one player in the draft to really move that needle I think they're the fourth best team on paper right now Bossman's man's coming in with a super chat thank you so much saying Tom what's your ideal QB solution in 2024 draft Russ free agent and who well, you know, I, I actually was a, I know that people don't like Russell Wilson, and he doesn't fit in Sean Payton's uh, offense. I kind of was hoping that they could work it out, and uh, he could stick around for another season uh, to, you know, and help the team kind of get a little bit better. But that's that's off the table from what I'm. I'm. I don't think there's a, any way they can fix what what happened. So he's gone. You got a terrible cap situation. Um, I feel like my my solution is that you you go and you try and build as much of this team as you can this year and next year look for that quarterback. Now maybe there isn't a quarterback that's going to be coming out next year that's as good as these quarterbacks that we're looking at. So maybe you're going to miss out, but I just I feel like you need to not put a rookie in that situation, right? a uh, mm-hmm. situation where they're going to take a step back, they're going to have some some tough times. The quarter, you know, the quarterback's going to come in and and maybe get a little rattled. We'll see. I mean, who knows, uh, losing, uh, whatever. So I'd like to see a quarterback in 2025 so you have that full five-year window of a rookie uh, contract in order to continue to build that team. But I don't want them to go out and get any free agent, really. I mean, I don't see a free agent out there that's worth the money that's going to come in and do anything. I mean, you could try and go get Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't really think he's going to move the needle at all. I don't. I mean, it's, you might as well just roll with Stidham, find a rookie in uh, the you know tr- pick pick a rookie quarterback. Maybe you can develop him later in the draft um, and go and roll with the, what you have on the team. Because if you go out if you go out and try and get another free agent quarterback, you're going to have with the dead cap hit from Russ. And Stidham's contract and then bringing in someone who you think could now be the starter at what, 10, maybe close to 10 million, you're gonna have so much tied up in that quarterback position that it just it doesn't make financial sense to me, Uh, especially when you're probably not going to be competing for the playoffs again uh, next year. I don't disagree with, with
2: with the one thing that you said is bringing in a free agent, and and granted, I think that that might be the direction that the the Broncos are probably going to go in, and uh, take no further look at a, a guy like um, James Winston, uh, maybe maybe Gardner Minshew comes, to, uh, or Jimmy Garoppolo. Heaven forbid that actually happens, but. Uh, like Jameis Winston would be a guy familiar with with Sean Payton's scheme um, has uh, the ability to come in he's only 30 years old he has a 33 uh, 33 touchdown but also 30 interception season 5,000 yards in that year uh, but he played well before tearing his ACL with New Orleans Saints with Sean Payton at the helm so is, that might be a guy that you could come in as a bridge quarterback maybe draft a guy like a, a Joe Milton uh, a Spencer Rattler um, maybe even a, a Sam Hartman in the, on day three Someone, someone like that that can come in and just kind of be a developmental guy to help bolster the room a little bit and maybe um, give you a little bit more optimism moving forward. But um, and quite honestly, what I want is Caleb Williams. What I think they're probably going to do is a bridge quarterback, what I think they need to do is take the best player available at number 12 overall. And I'm going to give a shout out to our guy, Ronk, Michael Ronquillo here. The, my favorite draft prospect is Brock Bowers from Georgia. If Brock Bowers falls to number 12 overall, there is no shot in hell that you trade away that pick. You go and sprint to the podium to get Brock Bowers, fill that tight end position, take the best player, best, I don't want to say best player in the draft, that's Marvin Harrison, but a top five player in this in this class anyways, in Brock Bowers, and start the rebuild around a young guy, whether that's a developmental guy or maybe trade up and get get a player or whatever, whatever you may do if bowers is there at 12 you have to take that guy
1: yeah i mean i like brock bowers as well but i will say something about Jameis winston um and i know everybody looks at Jameis winston was with sean payton and like they see the five and two record they see that they took his interceptions came down but very very little else improved most of the other part of his game actually kind of Regressed. He wasn't throwing for as many yards, which I mean, that was the big that was the big uh, thing with with Russell Wilson. It's like, oh, he throws touchdowns, but he's not throwing enough yards. He's not really moving the needle. Jameis Winston had kind of had that same step back in in almost every other category. Now touchdowns, he he was he was on pace to have a good amount of touchdowns, but that was driven by one game where he threw five touchdowns. That doesn't happen very often. That was a kind of a uh, you know one of those you know, things that happens rarely. So I think that would have kind of evened out if you looked at over the whole year. So he doesn't impress me under with the Sean Payton led um, led offense. He just doesn't seem like he really fit that quite well. But they had a great team, and he was able, you know, for seven games he was able to play play a little bit better in certain areas. So I don't, I'm not a big fan of going out and getting Jameis Winston unless he comes very cheap, right? If he's if he's willing to take a cheap deal and come in and compete with Stidham, okay. But I, I just I, he's not one of those guys that makes me think oh this is going to be better with him than with uh, with any other guy that they can roll in. I, I do like Gardner Minshew though. I I think he he does help. But I think he's gonna the way he played in Indianapolis, I think he might garner a little bit more financial attention this year mm-hmm. than than I think the. I mean look the Broncos are going to be see what starting at sixty million over the cap. Once this Russell Wilson cut happens, that's a lot of money they got to find. So I, I don't know. It just to me, it's like if he likes Stidham, if Peyton likes Stidham, see what he can do, and you know, wait till you can try and let him be the bridge quarterback to that next guy.
2: So my question to you, Tom, just quickly on this conversation, going back to Jameis Winston a little bit and the the drop off in yards and production and stuff like that. How much do you uh, differentiate between the Bruce Arian systems where it, I don't know if you if you heard the, the conversation, Jameis Winston actually did a podcast with the Barstool Sports guy talking about Bruce Arian and how he was specifically saying, throw the ball deep, take those shots, take those chances. We need to push the ball down the field in comparison to a Sean Payton offense, which is working predicated mostly on timing, anticipation, working the middle of the field. Let's take the chances when we can. But like a Bruce Arians offense, to hell with it. Let's throw the ball deep and take these shots. How much do you differentiate between those two schemes and what Jameis can bring with Sean Payton as compared to what he did with Bruce Arians?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, well, you saw it. I mean, he was, he was wasn't throwing it as deep and he wasn't getting intercepted as much right. Turnovers make a big difference. Right. And, and so there, there was some benefit that Jameis Winston had in the Sean Payton offense because there, I mean, obviously more interceptions happen when you're chucking the ball down the field than if you're doing like timing, you know, quick throws to, you know, quickly open receiver that it's not as high risk, but, what I'm trying to say is the the Jameis Winston that people are thinking about that is supposed to be really great under Sean Payton. I don't see was that great. I see think he improved some aspects of his game, but I don't think he's as good as as that seven and two or that uh, five and two record that uh, that he had with the you know with the improvement in in uh, turnovers. I, ju- I I just don't see him being that much of a needle mover for me in the free agent. And I know that they're just looking for a bridge quarterback. I know they're looking for somebody to get to the next thing, but uh, you know, James Winston just doesn't seem like that guy to me. That's going to really take control of this offense and help them win. So why spend the money? If it's just going to be the same old, same old, you might as well just roll with Stidham and try and get the salary cap under control, find your guys and and move on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The- I guess my follow-up question here is how competitive do you want the Broncos to be next season? Because if, if, if you bring in a guy like Jameis Winston, then it sounds like they're probably going to try to be competitive, at least have a veteran in there. Like I said, he's, he's 30 years old, a former first round pick, the talent is undeniable. He's got plenty of talent. Sure. It's just, it's just what goes on between the ears and behind the eyeballs. Like what's going on in his head that that's the, the bigger question. So uh, and Phil jumping in here, Phil McLaughlin saying uh, maybe Ben DiNucci will jump this year. Ideal would be stick with Russell Wilson and draft a quarterback later in the draft um sorry Phil I don't think that's as. I think there's a it's a non zero percent chance but it's a less than five percent chance that Russell Wilson actually sticks around this year but if you're if you're wanting to I guess my the, the question I'm trying to ask you here is what do you envision this this Broncos 24 team to look like are you trying to compete a little bit maybe build something special or are you saying you know what Let's blow everything up. Let's suck for 2024, get a high round draft pick and let Sean Payton go and get his guy.
3: Well,
1: I I think they're going to not be very good regardless of what they want. That's my feeling. But we talked about it early in the show. You're Mm -hmm. looking at a bunch of starters that are leaving as unrestricted free agents, most likely. You're looking at several players who probably are getting cut or traded you're going to have holes in many of the important spots you're going to have holes at edge you're going to have holes at defensive line especially being able to get after the quarterback from the interior safeties are going to be probably have holes in it wide receivers probably going to have quite a few holes in it and then you know court, cornerback opposite Patrick Sertan unless you trade Patrick Sertan I, I don't you know it, it seems like they're they're even if they don't want to blow it up, they're going to be blowing it up because of the the situation that they got themselves in with the Russell Wilson contract and now cutting him. So I, I think they're going to be bad no matter what uh, next year, unless, like I said, unless they hit on a couple people in the draft that just blow it out of the water as a rookie. Like, a you know, like C.J. Stroud stepping in and being incredible, right? Like, and, and, you know, they had a couple rookies that really stepped in and were very, very good, and not just C.J. Stroud. So there is a possibility, but I think they're going to get blown up. Their roster is going to get blown up whether they want to or not. And so I think they're going to be probably the fourth best team in the AFC West next year, and they're going to struggle to get wins. So might as well rip the Band-Aid off. Get, get younger and start rebuilding right now. And if you find that quarterback of the future in this draft, great. If not, try for it again next year. Yeah, David coming in with a super chat. Thank you, David. Really appreciate it. I'm sorry, he says. I just can't wrap my head around another bridge, the gap QB. We had that crap for eight years. Absolutely, man. I mean, it's just been a revolving door at quarterback. And unfortunately, I mean, I thought it was fixed when they got Russell Wilson. That didn't work out. And so now – back to square one with the quarterback. And, and yeah, you're right. I, I don't want another, you know, recycled uh, free agent quarterback because there's, there's no, there's not like a Tom Brady leaving, right. There's not a quarterback that's leaving that you're like, Whoa, this guy can be good for a year. Let's bring him in. And he's really Mm going to change something. There's there's not that option this year. And nor do you have the money really to do it.
2: Right. And, and, so let's let me break it down really fast because I, I i played around with the overthecap.com cap simulator um you can it's a cap calculator you can make your own moves and kind of play around with it a little bit uh, as it currently stands right now the broncos are 24 million and 113,000 dollars over the salary cap going into the offseason. they have to clear 24 million and change just to be able to do anything in terms of creating free agents there's a pathway here, and there's multiple different pathways to, to really go about it. But there's a pathway here that I created to get to the Broncos having $52 million, $413,000 in cap space. like They have $52 million to be able to spend on free agents. But those moves include cutting Russell Wilson with a post-June 1st designation, cutting or trading Garrett Bulls, trading Justin Simmons, cutting or trading... Cortland Sutton post-June 1st, cutting Tim Patrick, trading Jerry Judy, cutting DJ Jones. You can get more if you want to move on from Alex Singleton, who I believe is a net zero dead cap hit. You can get close to $60 million in cap space. That's another on top of the starting free agents that this Broncos team currently has, guys like Fabian Moreau, Lloyd Cushenberry. You're talking quarterback, left tackle, safety, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, interior defensive lineman on a team that already has a ton of holes if you want to go out and be able to spend that money, you have to find players that are willing to come here. Like Tom said earlier in the show that want to come to a young team with no veteran leadership and no direction at this particular point, it's it's hard, dude, it's hard. I I, I just want to, it's hard to, it's hard to find that pathway. That's actually the correct direction for this team to go in right now.
1: Yep. Now I, I think you can only designate two players. Post June uh, first cut, so it's going to be Russell Wilson and maybe one other player. I don't. That's I unless they change the rules. I think it's only two. So I mean, if you're if you're thinking about savings by cutting after June first and with that designation, you only do two. One of them has to be Russell Wilson. I mean, Mm because I think it's eight. What eighty three million? If all in the the first year, that's that that makes it hard to overcome. But yeah, there's there's a lot of issues uh, across this roster right now, and frankly the the roster wasn't that great to begin with there wasn't a lot of talent there were spots of good players but there weren't a lot of elite impact players on this roster to begin with so if you're losing them and you didn't have a great roster to begin with you're going to have to start from square one you're going to be rebuilding you're going to be rebuilding a lot of positions like you said the most important positions right you need a quarterback you need a line a, a, um an edge rusher, a, an elite edge rusher, and you need a, a left tackle. Mm-hmm. Those are, it, 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 you're not getting it in one draft.
2: No, and and, and Tom, you brought up a, a pretty salient point here, and I think that we can kind of dive down the rabbit hole on this on this particular topic here. You're talking about moving on from quality players and and, and like getting younger. How many of those younger players on this roster right now do you project as quality starters? Yeah. Let's let's talk about the depth of this yeah. roster right now, De- like is there any one player right now outside of Patrick Sertan that you would qualify as a player under the the age of 26 years old that you believe could turn into a quality starter on this roster?
1: I mean, there are, there are a couple that could, I mean, Jaquan McMillian McMillan. I like a lot. I think he has the potential, but you know, we, we, we still have to see more. So I don't know. Um, I I think he's, he's possible one. I liked I really like Caden Stearns, but he can't stay healthy. So that's Mm -hmm. another issue. But, I mean, you're right. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, Mims. I think Marvin Mims, if he can develop more of a a route tree, I think he can be an elite player, possibly. But there's still question marks. And then Drew Sanders, to me, is a huge question mark because I really liked him. I thought his athleticism was great. But when I saw him at inside linebacker, he just did not have the instincts that I would like in a starting Im- impactful inside linebacker. Yeah, he's got a great athleticism, but he was making the wrong decision too many times, and they moved him to edge, and they played him at edge a lot more. But then and then behind that, the young players, especially the draftees, you, you didn't see JL Skinner. He didn't play a single down on defense the entire year. He was inactive almost every single game. So mm-hmm. you don't know what you have there. You don't really know what you have in Riley Moss either because he didn't mm-hmm. play that much, very sparingly. So you got those two draft choices right there that you didn't even see Alex Forsyth who you're, you're actually looking at is probably stepping in for Cushionberry. He didn't play down at center that I saw. So we don't even know. That's the thing. We don't know what mm-hmm. this team really, the young makeup of this team outside of Sertan. What else do they got? I think it's Mims. I think it's uh, and I, I, uh, I think McMillan are two building blocks that are going to be a nucleus of the team going forward. But other than that, you got a lot of question marks, a lot. Yep,
2: yep. And, and I mean, the only the only other two that I can think of specifically on the offensive side of the football would be uh, Javante Williams. I think he's 24, so maybe, but you still have the ACL injury that you have to overcome from last year. Uh, uh, Jaleel McLaughlin but is that a guy that you're hanging your hat on to be an elite level player? Or is he more of a change of place kind of guy that just comes out there and provides you a little spark offensively. You've got Mims. You're right on that one. And I'll, and I'll, I'll hold judgment a little bit, but you bring up a, a good point there. He's, he still needs to develop a lot and we didn't see nearly as much as I wanted to see from him. Cause I, I, I really loved Marvin Mims coming out in the draft. Um Defensively drew Sanders it's hard because they're you got hurt you got nicked up in the in on the edge position late last season needed a guy to come in and step in sanders had that ability so cross training him a little bit i think that maybe getting him uh maybe getting another edge defender to keep him on the back end of the the front seven uh keeping him on the off ball where he can actually truly learn cuz i think he did improve down the season but again Multiple questions like there is not a, I'm getting shredded in, in some of the comments on this, but I I don't think it's necessarily a negative take. I think it's a realistic take. Take off your glasses, your orange colored glasses a little bit and really take a step back. And like I said, to open the show, if you look at this roster as it's currently constructed and feel like the Broncos are going to be competitive in 2024, maybe even 2025, you're probably highlight like Colorado, I'm telling you, because they, it needs talent. It needs more talent. Compare them to the top eight teams that just went into the playoffs. You got the best two teams, obviously, this the, the, in, in the uh, league this year the, the 49ers and the Chiefs. The Ravens, that team is stock chock full of talent. The Lions, completely explosive offense. Uh, they need better defensive talent, but they have talent there. It needs to come better as a, co- a cohesive unit. The Green Mid Packers. They're not the like the most talented, but they figure out how to work with the talent that they do currently have, and they have better talent than the Broncos currently do. The Dallas Cowboys, another team that's very talented. You've you've got um uh the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a, that's a, a great team that has a lot of talent that they're working with. Like this this team right now, as it's currently constructed, and as it's going to be looking going forward, they can't compete with teams like that. They just don't have the the natural Jimmys and Joes to play with teams like that at the NFL level right now. They
1: just don't. Well, and and if you think about it as well, I mean, I I think of a guy like like Quinn Miners, right? Obviously, Mm -hmm. he could develop into an elite guard, but that's not an impact position, right? Mm -hmm. He's a young player. He's playing a position that you probably could replace with somebody who's not quite as good, but still kind of get – I'm looking at they don't have an impact player at the most important position, quarterback. We all know that. They're going to be looking for that, They also don't have an impact player at edge rusher. I like Jonathan Cooper. I like Baron Browning and I like Benito, but none of them are elite, right? No, you need to have an elite edge rusher. They don't have that. They don't have an elite interior pass rusher. I like Zach Allen. Maybe he's going to develop, you know, as he gets a little bit older, maybe, maybe he'll get there, but I don't see it yet. And then the only, the only position that you, and left tackle as well. I mean, Garrett Bowles, I like, he's not an elite left tackle. He's a very good left tackle. He's probably going be uh, he's probably going to be moving on most likely so that's a hole that you don't have a young guy to step in for. I mean Alex mm-hmm. is not going to be that guy he's a right he hasn't played left tackle since uh, high school. Uh, so you you've got you've got holes at the most important position with not a young player to step in the only place that you have a young player that's elite at a at an impactful position, is patrick Sertan. that's the problem that i have you can fill in these other holes in in the roster with you know uh, low priced aging vets that you hope to get a year out of and you can fill in with some younger guys at you know like inside linebacker safety you know maybe at center but the there's no that's the problem you've got to have these impact players at these elite positions and they don't have it they just don't have it and uh, they have to get it in these next two drafts and that's why i'm projecting Mm -hmm. them to not have as good a year next year as he even had this year, which wasn't that great.
2: Right. And again, that's you're, you're absolutely correct here. I want to bring in a, a good friend of ours, obviously uh, one, of the, one of the better show hosts here at Mile High Huddle Podcast Network, um, Nick Kendall. He's been saying it a lot on social media. I believe he said it a couple different times on Broncos for Breakfast and even on Building the Broncos. This team is a year away from being a year away. We are currently staring at the Houston Texans situation from like 2021. We are a year away from being a year away from being close to being competitive. And that's just a plain and simple fact. You've got to clear up the cap situation. You've got to move on from Russell Wilson. You've got to get more draft picks. You've got to lower the overall age of this roster, get more talent 100% of the time. And figure out a way to start from essentially zero. I do believe that this is going to be the zero starting point. We are currently at the rock bottom in this NFL uh, free agency and this NFL offseason. Now, I have a question from for you that was asked of me of um, from Albert Knoppers last night, and I, I feel like this is a fun conversation to have here. If the Broncos do go and Sean Payton does, you know, um, go get that bridge quarterback, kind of fill the holes as much as he possibly can, do whatever you can do. If the Broncos suck with with that bridge quarterback that Sean Payton has brought into the fold and the Broncos are bad. How much do you put on Sean Payton at that particular point in, in the landscape? Is it Sean Payton's fault? Is it the roster's fault? George Payton's fault? Where does Sean Payton stack up here in terms of importance of the future of this organization moving forward?
1: Well, I mean, he, the ultimate, the buck stops with him. He's been giving all the, given all the power they put, they went out and they traded, uh, traded for him. They gave him a big contract. They have put all of their faith in Sean Payton. Now, if he goes out and gets a bridge quarterback, I don't think they're going to uh, fault him, right? I, I know. I think that if you're talking about ownership, looking at this team, they they know there's holes. I mean, if I see that there's holes in this roster, I know that the ownership is like, yeah, this roster's got plenty of holes in it. I don't think they're going to fault him. What they will fault him for though is if he gets a bridge quarterback and he drafts a quarterback this year that he really is high on, and especially if they trade up to go get him and that quarterback doesn't work out, then that's when they say, okay, Sean Payton, you had your chance. It didn't work out with Russell Wilson. You did what you needed to do to go out and get a young guy and a bridge quarterback. And we're Mm. still terrible two to three years down the road. I'm going to, that's when you start to say, okay, Sean Payton, uh, didn't, didn't come as, uh, we were sold, you know, the, the bill of goods that we got wasn't what we expected. And that's when they'll, they'll start to start question what Sean Payton has, but, I will say this: When you mentioned you mentioned the Houston Texans, right? Let's say that Sean Payton is a great coach, like everybody uh, thinks that he's a great coach. If they hit on a quarterback and they hit on like an edge rusher that just surprises everybody, that gets them back into contention. I think not for mm-hmm. a Super Bowl, but it actually gets them back into the you know playoff mix. But if if they can't do that, then you're looking at a you're looking at fourth in the AFC West.
2: That and that's that's the thing though: hitting on that quarterback. And where, where exactly is that quarterback going to come from? Are you, are you banking on a a guy at 12? Are are you talking about um, like a Michael Penix jr? Are you talking about uh, uh, Bo Nix, JJ McCarthy? Um, And I, I, I mean, I could get, uh, get excited about a future. If you, if you land a guy like JJ McCarthy, probably not at 12, uh, trade back and get a guy like that. Then sure. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. And I I could get excited about that, but you've got to, figure out a way to fill out this roster and get more talent to surround a guy like JJ McCarthy. And you're probably not starting him. year one anyways.
1: It's a dire Sorry, situation. I,
2: <laughs> it, it really is. It, like it is. It, it, Martin, Martin jumps in. You're saying you're giving our ownership too much credit. They know how to spend money, which I like, but they haven't shown what they know anything about managing an NFL franchise. And, and sure. I mean, there's, there, there's a point there. There absolutely is. what, I think the bigger thing here is you're trusting on your NFL people to understand what they need to do. That's that's one of the things I like about the, the, the Walton Penner family ownership group here is they're trusting Sean Payton. They are saying you have the reins to go and do what you need to do to, to, uh, to sort this franchise out and make it a winner. We want to win games. We want to be able to fund you to help win games. We're going to do everything we can to get that from you. Not to say that they're they're going to say, well, Sean Payton, you came in for two years and you gambled on a quarterback and it didn't work out. You're fired. But do they start to maybe kind of start that clock a little bit and say, well, OK, we just burned eighty five million dollars on a quarterback that we thought that we paid a lot of money to to be a franchise guy for the next five seasons. Obviously, you decided to tear that down, rebuild. And this is your vision. And it's now not starting to work. Yeah. Um, come on, man. We need answers. Like, that's kind of where I'm coming from with that particular point.
1: Yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, uh, Martin, they're they are inexperienced. Some of the ownership group is inexperienced at running an NFL franchise, but they would have to be butt blind to not see that this roster has a lot of holes in it right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they would have to have zero ability to evaluate any type of talent whatsoever. And on top of that, they would have to be buying. A bunch of crap that Sean Payton is feeding them. Obviously, they meet with him. Obviously, that you know they are not he's they're not just stepping aside and spending money and let the, the, he has to be giving them an honest evaluation of this roster. So they would have to know what's going on at least a little bit. I mean, me looking out from the outside in, I can see the holes in the roster. I think they can too. And then you have to take into effect that I mean, there there are people on here that uh, like Condor Lisa Rice has been around football for a very very long time. Mm-hmm. i mean she she i i think she knows talent when uh, from non-talent on this roster i think they i think they would have an idea that this this uh roster has holes in it and I, that's where i'm coming from like they're giving and like you said lance are giving sean payton the reins to go out and do his thing they have to because they're not going to meddle which is excellent they don't you don't want them to meddle but at so, a certain point they have to see the results and if, like I said, if Sean Payton can't get those results in the next couple of years, they're going to start questioning whether or not he was the right choice to turn this thing mm-hmm. around. The, the one point that was brought up um, that I that I think
2: is actually kind of a fun conversation here is think about it like a used car. Okay. So Sean Payton was the guy in, uh, you know, the the Walton Penner family ownership group brought in Sean Payton. and here's a used car for you. It's got some dings and some nicks and bumps and stuff like that. doesn't necessarily run very well, but we're going to sell it to you. Okay. Well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to take this team. I'm going to, this, this car, I'm going to drive it around and I'm going to figure out what it needs to have. And I'm going to replace the starter on it. Well, the starter on it that you replaced wasn't necessarily the problem. And the flywheels tore to hell and the, the transmission doesn't work and yada, yada, yada. well, When you buy that vehicle, you buy that used vehicle, you buy it in used condition. You buy it knowing that it has these problems. When you go to fix it and it still doesn't work, that's on you, Sean Payton. You're the one that came in and said, well, I I can fix this roster. I can fix this quarterback position. I can fix this team. And all of a sudden you start plugging in your own players and bringing in your own free agents, pick your guy at the quarterback position, and it doesn't start to work anymore. Well, you're still stuck with a clunker on the side of the road, aren't you?
1: Yeah. And I guess that's why I have a little bit of doubt. I mean, I want this team to succeed. I want Sean Payton to, to turn it around, but for, for me, he's bringing in the old crew, right? Instead of thinking a little bit more outside of the box, so there, are, I do have doubts, and I had doubts this season, especially after that Patriots game. That was a that I mean that was a debacle that should have never happened, and I lay that at the feet of of Sean Payton. He didn't have his guys ready to play. So there are holes to Sean Payton's ability to coach this team, in my mind. But um, I wanted to be a little bit more. Outside, you know, think a little bit differently than he thought in New Orleans, right? Like I know they had success in New Orleans, but things are changing, and I just don't see that they're, you know, he's he's letting Christian Parker walk. I mean, obviously Christian Parker is getting a, a promotion, but why let a young great coach like that get away, uh, you know, and then bring in, uh, you know, your Joe Lombardi's or you know, you know the the same people that you had before? I don't know. It just question it makes uh, questions in my mind of whether or not. He is the right guy to turn this thing around. Um, I had my uh, I had my preferences. I, I like D'Amico Ryan's and I like Jim Harbaugh. Last year during the process, mm-hmm. I was hoping that they would get them. When they got Sean Payton, I saw him that he had the ability to turn around the New, New Orleans Saints, and he did it quickly. Uh, I hope that he can do it here, but I just didn't see a lot of a lot of that uh coaching and and the ability to turn it around last year that that gave me a lot of hope I, It just didn't give me a lot of hope yet and maybe next year will so
2: as you were as you were talking about that I, I i came up with a question in in my own head here sean payton obviously like you said turned the the new orleans saints around and and got that turned around quickly did he really have a plan for like a few like a long term outreach? What was that long term outreach for this team right now? Did he come into this knowing? Well, we we've got the albatross of a contract that is Russell Wilson. It's going to take us some time. I'll try to work with him a little bit and see what we can do, but if that doesn't work we have to tear it down. We have to start to rebuild the franchise and work forward more than just the immediate turnaround. Because that's what that's what every, every fan wants. It's like, we want the immediate turnaround. This team sucks. We want the coach to come in, get the quarterback right, turn it around. We're in the playoffs next year. Houston Texans model. D'Amico Ryans. Did Sean Payton come in here with a plan that's saying, you know, I need three years. I need three years worth of your time to be able to turn this around. Tear down the roster. Let's start over completely. Is that the real Sean Payton plan here? Because everything that we're being told or everything that we've been led to believe has been being proven wrong based on the money, based on the performance, based on everything. Did he actually want this? Did he want to tear down and rebuild a franchise from scratch
1: That's a good question. And it's, that would be a, if you're looking at having paid a bunch of money to Russell Wilson to kind of turn it around quickly with a a good coach. um, And, and he really decided, well, I need really need to tear this down. That's a, that's a really conflicting, uh, you know, thought like then, then you're going down the rabbit hole of, okay, he wanted to tear it down. He didn't, you know, like he he didn't go all in. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that that's the, the case, but you know, it is, I think the plan really, and and if I could like be in the room when this all happened, I think the plan was, I want you to come in. I want you to see if you can win immediately with Russell Wilson. We know Russell Wilson had a bad year last year. You can come in. If you can make him a winner and this team a winner, great. But if it doesn't work out, you've got a couple more years to turn this around. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're, you know without a quarterback, you're going to struggle. Without a good quarterback, you're going to struggle. So I think he's got a couple more years to turn it around. But in this league you don't have long. I mean look at Bill Belichick. The, the guy was a legend in New England and he's fired. Well, they parted ways so to speak, but it didn't take long for him to be gone. Right? And he was a, you know, he what won 6 Super Bowls or whatever with the franchise. I mean that that went went downhill pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. I just I think he's got a couple years. After this year, he's got probably two years to show good improvement, or they're in the playoffs, or, or threatening to be in the playoffs in two years, or they're going to start saying, "You know what? Well, we may have to look somewhere else."
2: Yeah, a year away from being a year away. So, twenty twenty four is a year away from twenty twenty five, which is a year away from being a year away. Twenty twenty six is really the long term outlook as it currently stands. If you if you ask Nick Kendall, and I'm starting to be right there with him man like maybe that is sean payton's plan maybe that really is sean payton's plan is like i need a year or two at least to rebuild this team be a year away from a year away and here we are And 2027 is where it's starting to be let's compete and let's go out there with a young quarterback that we built a whole bunch of talent around and next thing you know we're tearing down doors pat mahomes is what nine, ten years into the NFL at that particular point. Maybe he's starting to slow down. Justin Herbert's, what, eight years into the NFL? Maybe. I mean, it, there, there's a lot more far-fetched ideas out there for sure. It, it, I mean, it, it could be maybe Sean Payton wanted to come in here and just destroy the Broncos for some unknown reason. He's going
1: to retire next year. Like, like the Josh McDaniels destruction.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
1: well, exactly. I- I, um, <laughs> I, I hate to bring up Josh McDaniels. It's a it, yeah, man. He really did a number on this, this, <laughs> this team, but um uh, man, uh, I, I well go back to what you were talking about, what his plan is. I think we're going to know more about what Sean Payton's plan is based on this off season. If he tries to restructure a bunch of players to keep them around to kind of limp this team along while they're, you know, trying to figure out the quarterback Then then you're going to see I think we'll know that his plan is not to tear it down. It's to try and find a quarterback and then try and compete with the team they have. But if you see a bunch of players that don't get restructured, that get Mm -hmm. cut, like you said, DJ Jones and you trade bowls if you can or you you get you get rid of Sutton and Simmons. Then I think then I think you know that, okay, it is a rebuild. They are rebuilding. But you know, like I said, if they if they keep massaging the salary cap, restructuring, pushing it down, I think you're gonna. I think it's the opposite. I think it's we're gonna try and keep competing, which I don't think that they should. I think that they should really try and get younger and and see what what young players can do, and then and then Sean Payton has a future, right? If he gets young and they start to compete in two years, then Sean Payton's your guy. Right, mm-hmm. that he did the rebuild, and they're starting to compete. They have the team that they want, and now they're set up for the future for the next four or five years to really compete in the AFC West and in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't want to see him limp along again. They've been limping along for eight years.
2: Yeah, uh, you're absolutely correct on that. You, you win the Super Bowl, go nine and seven the year after that. It's the last winning record the Broncos have ever had in yeah. eight years. It like you. It's been the perpetual rebuild. The perpetual, I don't, it's not even rebuild, it's like the retool. We're not really even trying to commit to a rebuild to start anything over. We're just trying to carry this thing along. But the problem is, when your legs cut off at the ankle and cut off at the knee and then cut off at the hip, and then your both of your hips are broken, and you just continue to drag yourself along, eventually the other arm's going to fall off. And look at where you're at you have one arm trying to drag this thing out. I think that's where this Broncos team is at. Quite honestly, like it's a gory, terrible way of, of describing this roster right now. But <laughs> I, I, I think that's actually accurate, though. Like you, you stood up on the mountaintop, you lifted the Lombardi Trophy, and ever since there, you've been slowly but surely following, like falling apart. And there's nothing that they've done to really commit to rebuilding anything here in Denver outside of getting new ownership, which needed to happen anyways yeah absolutely. I, I, I i you have to restart you you have to i'm i'm of the mind you have to restart right now
1: we got david young coming in with some late support thank you david for uh doing that i really appreciate it thanks said, david. we will see over the next two months on who we keep or who will be all uh or it will be an all-out rebuild yeah exactly david that's what mm-hmm. we we're just yep. talking about you hit the nail right on the head it depends on what we see and and frankly I think it's up I think it's Sean Payton. It, I think he's the guy that's doing all of the uh, all of the moves. So whatever happens it's it's on Sean Payton because I don't think George Payton is is around much longer. I think he's he's got he's got a short time left and I think like like we talked about earlier the ownership group and the the people that are running it from the top are letting the football people do their job. I don't see any meddling. I don't so it, it really ends up being who who's uh, you know, is this is this Sean Payton show and we'll see what his plan is. And, and we'll know what exactly what that question was. What is his plan and what did the plan? What was the plan when he came in? Yeah. Michael Ronchio, Thank you for coming in this Thursday during the NFL honors. We will find out if Randy Gratishar makes the 2024 NFL Hall of Fame. Let's hope he makes it this year. Yeah, I think he will. I think uh, I think it's kind of a rubber stamp there um, for, for the final vote and he'll get in and it is long overdue he should have been in much longer
2: uh, yeah and he, he comes early. back in he comes back in saying great show tonight thomas and on mile high insiders go broncos thank you michael didn't want to leave you out in the cold on that one but uh yeah your your support is always definitely uh well loved and appreciated here at the mile high huddle podcast network and back to Randy Gratishar, man. I wrote an article, this was a long time ago, even before I was employed with Mile High Huddle, talking about how I hate the Hall of Fairly, Fairly Decent, is what it was called. Um, this was when Bobby Bethard was inducted into the Hall of Fame over Pat Pat Boland, and yep. uh, Robert Brazil was inducted over Randy Gratishar, and... Brazil probably had a better case at that particular point, but Randy Gradishar has been a guy, uh, 2,000 tackles, man. 2,000 tackles in 10 seasons at the NFL. He averaged 200 tackles a year, man. How is this guy not, how are more players from the 1977 Orange Crush defense not in the NFL Hall of Fame? you got Louis Wright, you've got Tom Jackson, who should be a contributor member for 25 plus years at ESPN contributing on the monday night football shows at uh, sunday night monday night football reaction shows you've got um obviously Bradshaw. you've got uh, uh, dave thompson. thompson there's another uh, billy thompson excuse me Billy uh, billy thompson's another one you've got rich tomson jackson who should probably be a hall of famer Lyle alzado despite the steroids should be a hall of famer like man i hate there's the a few on that D team season.
1: that should be in <laughs>
2: there's definitely a few on that team that should be there's a few uh, uh keith bishop the a former left guard for the Broncos in the late eighties and early nineties should be on. It uh, should be in the NFL uh, in the NFL hall of fame. Uh, Tom Nalen should be in the NFL hall of fame. Uh, Rod Smith should be in the NFL hall of fame. Ed McCaffrey should at least be in the ring of fame. Let's talk about hall of fame a little bit too, but like Denver is so underrepresented in, in, in Canton and I will never ever go to that oversized tortilla hat slash juice machine that 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 building looks like until multiple other Broncos are in, but at least getting Randy Gratishar in might make me think about it.
1: Well, I'll just say this. I think over the last, uh, last 10 years, they have really, they've got a lot of Broncos in. I mean, if you look Mm -hmm. at the last 10 years, you got Trell Davis, you got Steve Atwater, you got Pat Bowen, you got champ Bailey. I mean, these are Broncos, right? You got Randy Gratishar that's, that's going in. So they have done it, but the, the biggest problem is they were ignored for a long time. Uh, And some of it could be, uh, you know, you never know what the reasons are, why they ignored Randy Gratishar and people like Carl Mecklenburg. And so Mm -hmm. they pushed pushed a lot of deserving folks into the senior pool and they'll never get into the Hall of Fame because that list is so long. So you've, you rattled off several, but I mean, you're going to, Randy Gratishar is going to be one. And then from there, you're not going to see another senior candidate of the Broncos in the Hall of Fame for quite a while, while. And you've got Carl Mecklenburg in the senior pool and you've got Louis Wright in the senior pool. You got Rich Up Upchurch in the senior pool. Those are three mm-hmm. guys that were exceptional. That should be representative. That may you may see one of those guys get in in their lifetime if you're lucky. And that's the problem that I have with with the Hall of Fame. I don't have a problem with them recent, recently because they have really put a lot of Broncos in the Hall of Fame. It's these old, the guys that have been around for a long time, and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because you know. If they've passed away, they don't get the gold jacket. You know, they don't get – it's just it, – it's a shame. And, and I think that they've, they're they really making some changes to the senior pool. They've, you know, three players per year over the next three years, and hopefully that will continue. Um, so they are making some improvements, but you're right. There are, there are some uh, Broncos that are not in the Hall of Fame that at least should have – some recognition tom Nalen's my number one guy who should be in the hall of fame but he's uh he doesn't get much uh much play in that uh in that room unfortunately but anyway yeah lance thank you so much for for jumping in for luke i know we're you know we're 10 minutes past seven so uh we should wrap up the show but again thank you appreciate it uh any last parting words before we uh call it call it a night yeah, just uh, my my typical
2: thing that I that I always say to everybody on a Friday night. Uh, first off, make sure you guys come over and, and check out the show, Dove Valley Deep Divers, Friday evening at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, but you all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your week, and hopefully we'll see you before the weekend. If not, have a great weekend, and we'll see you guys same time, same place next week.
1: Yep. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, for myself and Lance and who uh, Luke isn't here, Mile High a uh, Mile High Insiders co-host, we're gonna say good night. Thank you very much. Have a great day and have a great week.
0: Head on over to MileHighHuddle.com for all things Broncos.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.